0: Hi, everyone. Welcome back to Casual Watch Talk. And this week, I have a special guest. Uh, welcome back to the show, Ben from Ben's Watch Club. Cheers, Sam. It's uh, it's good to be back. Got some fun stuff to talk about today, haven't we? We absolutely have. This is going to be more of an interview special type show. I think we did one a couple of months ago that did all right, actually. People really enjoyed it, the Casio one. Absolutely. Yeah, we, we talked
1: a little bit in depth about Casio and where we think
0: they might be, so... Of course, after you finish listening to this one or watching it, go and check that one out next. For anyone that didn't see that video or is not familiar with your channel, would you mind just giving us a quick little fat, uh, you know, quick little couple of seconds on what your channel's about?
1: So, Ben's Watch Club was founded, Sam, to essentially give viewers an honest perspective of some of these like super hyped up affordable watches, especially some of those ones that are like posing as like luxury, all of that rubbish. Um, You know, trying to give people an honest perspective amongst a sea of paid reviews on those products and the channels have effectively developed into like an all-rounder covering some of the best and some of the worst affordable watches on the market so that you know viewers can tune in find an honest independent review that's no bs and uh, can come away with some value hopefully
0: yeah and i'm seething with jealousy because the your channel is doing so well at the moment so congratulations with that cheers sam thank you yeah we're, we're doing all right well this brings us to the topic for this interview or oh, we're going to talk about several topics I think one of them I definitely want to talk about towards the end is this influx of videos around homage watches so I'll be definitely sharing my view on homage watches towards the end of this but you recently did an upload that certainly got a lot of people in the watch review community is pricked up I mean I certainly did you did a reflection video on watch YouTubers.
1: Absolutely, yeah. So yeah, I decided to uh, peel back the mask of watch YouTubers to a certain extent. Uh, more than anything, Sam, that video is designed to give viewers the information they need, because unfortunately, unbeknownst to loads of viewers, there is lots of dodgy stuff going on. And I think it's important that um, the general public who aren't familiar with this sort of thing, as is evident from the the really positive reaction to that video, they need informing about it so that they can make wiser decisions with either who they watch, not just in wristwatch space, but in YouTube in general, who they might trust. And, you know, it, it just puts a little bit of a seed in the back of their mind when, when they're watching review videos. Can they, you know, trust this reviewer? Uh, is the potential for bias? I think that's the, the main thing, isn't it? The potential for significant bias in some cases
0: we'll get more into it as we go on but i like the way you did it because you didn't directly you, you didn't directly discuss any channel any specific channels but you you put it back on the the viewer to and uh, you gave them i think it was 12 points wasn't it yeah, to look like out a toolkit for,
1: for the viewer sam yeah like 12 signs that they can sort of look out for a bit like a bingo card so they can tick them off and then if they get like a full house or a line then they can think ah maybe i shouldn't just that YouTuber for whatever reasons that they've got ticked out of them twelve.
0: Yeah, I think your timing on this as well was spot on because especially after we've all been in quarantine last year, the the influx of new watch YouTube channels, the influx of people buying watches in general are all across the spectrum, price ranges and then People looking at YouTube reviews of these watches to really make purchasing decisions. I know it's something that I'm always conscious of when I'm reviewing a watch. That does it represent value for money for the customer? And I know you're interested in that as well. But I have to say, I'm sure other watch YouTube reviewers did this when they watched it. Was like, oh, am am I going to be in one of these? Or it was certainly a good, a good wake—not a wake-up call, but it was a good frame of reference to just make sure that. I was sticking to my ethical standards.
1: That was I guess part of it too. The the main thrust of it was like I said before for the viewers thing, but yeah, to some extent I think, you know, YouTubers shouldn't be afraid of that video. I think if they are a, a, like scared of that video thinking it's calling them out, then they need to yeah, self-reflect and, you know, think about what you're doing on your channel potentially. Are you inadvertently, you know, misleading customers in a way? No, I'm not bothered about posing that question to YouTubers because I think as a whole, if more uh, creators and reviewers off YouTube, like just blog reviewers that say are more willing to do that process of self-reflection, then that can only benefit customers as well, like potential consumers, because then they can trust more of these sources. I mean, I think overall platforms like YouTube are fantastic for gaining multiple perspectives on products and at least you know, the lots of these popular watches, there's going to be dozens of videos covering them. So that gives you, you know, multiple things to look at. And that's better for the consumer then, because people are always going to pick up on slightly different things about the watches. So I think in general, it's a good thing, but certainly, I mean, some of the things
0: that I found in the process of making that video were particularly shocking. Just to to level set here, if people aren't familiar or they don't run their own YouTube channel, we... As watch YouTubers, it's extremely, or certainly my journey with it was, and I'm sure this is not that dissimilar from other YouTube. I mean, my my channel is not a big channel by any means. I mean, I think I'm at 13,000, just a little over 13,000 subscribers. And I've been at it a long time. I've been at it five years. At the start, I think I was reviewing stuff that I thought was cool. And we've had this conversation in the past before where I know that I was reviewing stuff because I thought it was cool, but didn't necessarily think about the... Whether the viewers would think it was cool. And when I did release an upload, it was, and it did well. It wasn't because I'd specifically designed it to do well. It was more, it sometimes not came as a surprise, but it was a welcome surprise that it did well. My focus on the channel has always been watches in the $200 to $1,000 price range. So micro brands fall directly into that niche. So I tend to review a lot of micro brands and for people that aren't familiar with the watch YouTuber influencer scene, is it's very hard to get to that first thousand subscribers. In fact, it took me well over a year, I think. And you're having to review your own collection or watches that you borrow, friends and family. But when you hit that thousand, I think that's when you start becoming on the radar of some of these brands. And the first times you're contacted, because it's been been so long to get there, it's it's a privilege, isn't it? I think you you're really like, oh my God, somebody wants to send me a watch for for free to do a review. Is that how it started with you?
1: Yeah, yeah, definitely. Same sort of thing. You It almost feels like an honor, at least at first, doesn't it? It feels like mm-hmm. an honor that a company wants to send you stuff like free of charge. Yeah. Like for you, that, that it certainly does feel like a big deal at first. Um, and it's an, a nice feeling for you, but... Certainly, I've seen lots of these smaller channels start receiving those sort of things, getting these products in for review, and then maybe not being particularly critical. Yeah, with the review, Sam,
0: as as I'm sure you'll agree. Yeah, and I know I certainly was guilty of that when I started out because you're thinking to yourself, "Well, I don't want to be overly critical about some." Well, first of all, how I did it was I. Even very early on, I never took a watch on that I didn't personally like myself, and the review was usually confirming the research that I'd already done, and i never would i, I would actually even very early on i would wouldn't i would say maybe sixty percent of the watches that I got asked to review I would usually very respectfully decline because i either I didn't like them. But you're right, there's brands that you get emailed about a lot that suddenly start appearing on other channels.
1: Yeah, some of which are rubbish. Like, some of which, they're, they're garbage products, Sam. Uh, at least some of the ones I've seen. And there's people giving them amazing glowing reviews because it looks like said Patek or whatever. Like, that. that just in itself, regardless of anything else, seems to guarantee them a positive review on some channels, which I don't like from a viewer's perspective because us YouTubers, we're also viewers, aren't we, Sam? Yeah. Like when we view other channels, you know, it's just, well, it's not exactly the same, but it, it's certainly similar to a regular viewer experience um, watching other YouTubers. And, you know, I think some of it is they get this first few watches in for review and they, you know, don't want that them to never extend another one. They don't want that relationship to just end in case they never receive another watch from anyone else. You know, they want to take the opportunity and as such, they they certainly produce reviews that aren't reviews to an extent. Some of them, I mean, it, it absolutely varies. It, there's a whole spectrum, but uh, I've certainly seen a correlation with, you know, some of the smaller channels are, I think, seen by these brands as marketing services. Uh, and to some extent, some of the channels that are getting larger now as well, which I pointed out in the video, you know, that it, whether they want it to happen like that or not, whether it's like malicious intent or not, they're ending up just as a marketing wing of a brand that works for
0: free kind of really totally agree with you on this because, because as you start getting these emails through, one thing is glaringly obvious is that when you do see these watches pop up on YouTube some of the and we're not just talking about the smaller the smaller YouTube channels some of the bigger ones definitely not disclosing that they've been sent these watches for free and you so there's there's that which is the issue which we can definitely delve into and then the other one of course is you're totally right i mean we we build and foster a, an audience based on our integrity so we've got a very specific if a if a company sends us a watch that I guess they're making 50 40 fifty percent margin on to send a watch to a youtuber and they're getting exactly I mean even Facebook marketing isn't as specific as a watch youtuber speaking directly to an audience so you you're right in some cases it's 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 a risk for a watch company but it's also an incredible asset to them to to send watches out so it's it's When you realise that, then it allows you to be more objective about them. But before we delve into these topics, I'd love you to talk through for anyone that's not seen your video some of the points that you covered in the in the upload. I mean, I'll link to it down below. But it was fascinating the way that you went around it.
1: Okay, so here is the ten. I've got them up here on my side screen. We've got daily reviews primarily because I don't see how someone can spam out reviews because I've seen plenty of channels. And making videos which are certainly styled as reviews, not always titled as reviews, but certainly styled as reviews. Um every single day, sometimes even multiple a day, which inherently leaves me with the question, how have they spent any time with the watch? You know, how can they know the pros and cons of the watch if they've literally just unboxed it simply and and reviewed it? And that's the that's the next one. So number two as well. It kind of goes along with it, is simultaneous unboxing and review. It's one thing if they've been filmed clearly separately and then just edited into the same video. But if they're live unboxing it on the camera and they've spent 16 seconds with the watch, how, how is that a trustworthy review? And that's a very useful one, I think, for uh,
0: viewers because it's incredibly easy to spot, Sam. I have to formulate an opinion over many... Sometimes it's many weeks. Sometimes I'll get sent a watch. I've got watches... The last couple of reviews that I am doing before we we concentrate the channel on more of this topical news type stuff. But some of them I've had for for months. And usually the companies that I love working with, you know, Boulder and Phoebus and Riser watches, allow you that time. They're not chasing you down. I think that's another red flag, isn't it, when a watch company is chasing you and that's one of the ones that's that's
1: hard to spot for viewers because they don't see those conversations although some of the later points do reveal that some of these types of strategies but yeah some of them definitely are like come on you know they'll send you something and then even if you say to them you know this is going to be something that is totally my opinion you know i don't want any input from you on it some of them just don't care like they'll agree to it, send you the watch, and then they'll be chasing you up, like you say. And some, unfortunately, some people aren't strong enough to just tell them to F off, essentially.
0: One of the points that I think relates to those two, I don't, I, I don't think you specifically mentioned this in the upload, but and this is hard for a viewer to know, but certainly as a watch YouTuber, those ones where it's churning and burning reviews, it's very obvious to us that a lot of times the words that they're saying about the watch is straight from the press release almost reading verbatim
1: yeah they they kind of just read the specs and then they just kind of it it sounds like an ad essentially sam like which is the whole point of my video really because it effectively is an ad like some of these things i've seen they're effectively just daily adverts (laughs) um which you know It's fine as long as they're labeled as such, which is the inherent problem because they're not labeled as such a lot of the time. Um, Yeah. When they're spamming out their videos, I'm no problem with an unboxing video. If it's labeled as an unboxing and not presented as if it's a review, there's people are going to search because obviously these people who go online and try and do their due diligence, which is great by searching on YouTube for reviews of stuff, they're going to search review, click on said video because it looks like a review. And trust this person because they seem to be more of an expert than they are at watches, which is, you know, fair fair enough. And that's the right thing generally for for these general public to be doing. But it's when there's some slightly dodgy stuff going on. So to to speed through some of these others, anyway, YouTubers that just use stock images and, and reviewers as well. Reviewers are probably like blog reviewers on random websites. They're probably more guilty of this than YouTubers actually um, just using stock pictures that have been ripped straight from Amazon or, or whatever the product website from the manufacturer every single time that it's okay. Occasionally, especially if it's a watch that maybe you've had in before and then sold on or something, got no problem with that. But when it's clearly happening in a hundred percent of their content, you know that they've never touched the watch and that they're just lying to try and get affiliate money. Top 10 lists are definitely that aren't they? Blogs that do top the 10 worst. lists. Yeah. Yeah. The ones, you know, the ones like uh, if you watch the video, you can see some of them that do it. I'm not going to sort of name drop them here. So Sam doesn't get in trouble so tied into that incorrect specifications and sizing, because they're just pulling all these stats straight from the these websites. Often these websites have incorrect numbers on them, for instance, wrong diameters or water resistance ratings. And then they consequently copy these false specs and sizes into their articles so that's a great thing to look out for if you can see a youtuber that's actually measured it on their video and then this website is showing the same watch with
0: a different measurement chances are they've never handled the watch you made a really interesting point about the Lug to lug width because that is something that you very very rarely see in a. I mean, Christopher Ward do it because they're great. They, you know, they're great at, at spec in their watches, but most companies don't do lug to lug width. So you are right. I think you even mentioned that in the upload that that's a glaringly obvious thing that they're re- either reading the specs off or they don't actually have the watch there.
1: No, no manufacturers for whatever reason um, haven't caught onto the fact that lug to lug is arguably more important than uh, diameter in a lot of cases. So they don't list them on their sites. And as a result, lots of these uh, dodgy sites that don't actually ever have the watches that they're reviewing, don't put that down because they can't just copy and paste it. So it's just another sign to look out for, innit? It's like, bingo, if you just have one, you don't win, do you? You've got to get like a, a line or a full house. So certainly one to watch out for, as is, um, Never mentioning any criticisms, Sam.
0: I think I've been guilty of this one because I just recently did a Christopher Ward review and I honestly loved the watch. I had to send it back so I had no vested interest in it, but I couldn't I couldn't find anything I didn't like about it. And maybe I think certainly I, I have I do try and be more objective, but when I first early on was Again, I only reviewed watches that I really like the look of and I was just confirming my beliefs. I think I could learn from this one to maybe be a little bit more critical on stuff.
1: This is one where I'm always looking at myself as well. Like for even brands like Casio, like I'm trying to be more critical of like some of my favorite brands too. I mean, there's certainly, if you're being honest and you do like all aspects of the watch, that's fine. But, you know, like I've seen plenty of these channels where they're uploading constant reviews, where they're never mentioning any criticisms of the watches at all, which by definition is what you should be doing if you're reviewing a watch, because it's supposed to be like a formal assessment with the idea of instituting change if necessary. That's the definition I think I put in the video is from Google or whatever. But um, you know, that's the whole idea of the review in, in essence. And uh, lots of these reviewers are not only never mentioning negatives,
0: but just all of their content is positive. I think this is something that the watch viewing community catch on too quick there's certain channels that i know that are perceived negatively for doing this i think out of a lot of the ones that you've mentioned that perhaps aren't obvious for the watch viewing community i feel like this one cer- certainly with specific channels that they definitely they can call they can see this from a
1: mile off funny isn't it when you see like the, these waves of videos come out like you said earlier like because one of these brands is going on like a marketing campaign or whatever. They try and get all these influencers to to just like really push the watch for a certain amount of time, mm. uh, or at least feature the watch. Not necessarily push it, but feature the watch. Um, and there's the occasional time where like most reviewers will have a lot of criticisms about the watch, and then there'll be like these one or two channels, and it t- tends to be the same guys again and again that just the sore of thumbs saying all positive
0: stuff about it and not mentioning any of these obvious criticisms and it's just like oh my god i was always worried about being overly critical about something but the things that i that i remembered was a something that i don't like about the watch somebody could really enjoy about it and it's weird that isn't it
1: yeah some aspects are definitely uh subjective and it's important to obviously mention if it if it is something like subjective like sizing can sometimes be subjective uh, unless it's like atrociously big or ridiculously tiny um, or if it's like incredibly thick but then there's definitely other things like the color of the dial or whatever that could certainly be subjective as well yeah but then there's other things like absolute design flaws like a bracelet that that won't fit anyone under like a nine inch wrist for instance which i've covered in the past like there's certain things that certainly need pointing out that some reviewers aren't pointing out which are just fundamental
0: design flaws in, in many ways. There was only ever one review that I ever took down because the com- I really was quite critical about some of the design flaws. And the reason that I took it down was not as to hide the watch or hide the criticisms. It was because I'd reviewed a prototype and the company then watched my review, realized that in fact, a lot of the points that I'd made about the watch were right, they were as you mentioned, design flaws. So they went, actually went back to the drawing board and they, were, they, they had a concern that when they did correct these things, that, that, would, that my review, because the watch was going to look very yes. similar.
1: Yeah. yeah, it wouldn't be accurate to their current products. And that's fair enough. And you know what, Sam, that's exactly how some of these watch brands should be taking reviews like this and stuff because I've had plenty of brands in the past. If I've roasted them on a video, they've just taken it as... A personal insult, almost. Even if it was actually a very precise critique of certain elements of the watch, they've just cut me off and never, never swung to me again. Which is kind of fair enough. But I think they're missing out, you know, because if they'd fixed them issues and then come back with a better product that I was able to praise and say, "Well done on the improvements over the last one," you know, this seems great. They'd probably benefit from that. I mean, I'm not bothered if they don't. Uh, I've had brands like Stern Glass, for instance, you know, never apply to me, which is fine because I don't, I don't need them. I've got plenty of other watches to cover. It doesn't bother me. But, you know, from a business perspective, it makes sense to improve your products, Sam, doesn't it? It makes sense to improve your products. And who better than someone who's literally reviewing these things every single week to do it? Yeah. It just doesn't make sense to me, the ones that, that take it as an insult. It's not good business.
0: I think we're up to four now, are we? Four, number four That's of the ten. Like, oh. We're all the way to six, believe it or not. Oh, wow. Number
1: six was uh, kind of similar to five, so we can kind of skip over it. Just labeling every watch as the best at something. And you start it starts to get down ridiculous levels, like best 39 millimeter watch that also doubles as a dive watch with uh, extra bracelet and certain type of clasp. You know what I mean though? They They just plug on loads of stuff to make it the best at something, because they think, I, I think it's probably to push affiliate products, probably. Uh, or to stay on good terms with the brand because people are probably more likely to click if the watch is best the best at something but when there's a very mediocre watch that is being pushed as the best at something really ridiculous yeah yeah that just i just don't like that you know incredibly positive titling across the board um but something that ties into that which i think is definitely on the rise i've seen it in my own youtube feed and i think it's quite shady when you think about it is these people who really push how much they love this watch in the review, saying it's incredible and amazing. It fits them as well. So it's not like it's the wrong size for them. And then a few days later, they're there on the community tab on YouTube, pushing their freaking eBay listing for the same watch. Like, come on everyone. This is why I'm, I'm selling it. Great watch, amazing watch. Come on, everyone buy it. Well, it's almost like they have a vested interest, Sam, in trying to make it sell for as much money as possible.
0: <laughs> I think one of the other, interesting things with shilling watches uh pure shilling them is not only is the watch review community doing it but the watch community is a tiny tiny niche of the youtube community i always joke that tgv is obviously the biggest in the watch community in terms of a, an audience that follows him so i think he's up at nearly four and a half thousand four hundred and a half thousand Watch Finder, I noticed the other day was at 660k. So those seem like huge numbers for a watch review. But if that was a a beauty blog channel, yeah, yeah, yeah or a they're tech like 10 ten million, aren't they? Yeah. Oh yeah, if it was a tech channel, that'd be you might as well give up. If that was a tech channel and you've only got four hundred thousand, you're nowhere near the you're nowhere near the top, are you? To the point about the watch niche community being smaller, I think one of the issues that I see is the YouTubers the bigger YouTubers in different genres. I mean, I love watching Philip DeFranco. I watch him for news every day. But when he starts shilling movement, and anybody who knows the first thing about movement watches knows that they're they're knocking them out in China. They're they're pennies on the dollar. And what they sell them for is no reflection of what they actually cost to make. They don't represent value at any Spectrum,
1: and they're being paid to promote them. That's kind of like one of the reasons my channel started, Sam, because lots of these big YouTubers in other niches as well—they're being paid to promote these watches. You know, there isn't very many reviews apart from from people like them about said watches. And yeah, yeah, personally, I think movement watches are, you know, equivalent to something that would end up in the toilet. Like honestly, in terms of quality, and it's not often I actually say that something is te- like that bad, but that on a product level, not just on like company scumminess like a couple of other companies that I've called out before. But in terms of the raw product, terrible. They're the worst one still on the channel, aside from an eight pound watch that I bought deliberately from Primark. But at the end of the day, that one was eight quid. It wasn't a hundred pounds, 130 quid, was it? So yeah, that, that that's a perfect example though. Uh, and you know, we don't want that to end up the case in our niche. And then people saying, no, you it's just an ad. You no, know, you've got to be promoting decent products.
0: Yeah. I think it's funny as well that some of the I won't mention any specific one but some of the extremely high-end fashion brands some of the luxury fashion brands that you would you would look to them as pioneers in the fashion industry their actual watches that they sell are no comparison to some of their leather goods or some or other things like that
1: I've got a video actually about that coming up very soon you know sam i got hold of some of, of these watches from these you know supposedly luxury uh, fashion companies yeah their watches are terrible made in china clearly made for under five pound a pop awful stuff awful really awful and that doesn't set a good precedent does it but i guess to an extent maybe that would get someone into watches p- perhaps which is nice for the community i suppose to get more people in generally but it, it's still uh somewhat misleading when they could start on something like a seiko 5 for instance which offers much better value for money not the best watch in the world but you know it's much better
0: oh yeah and you could you could easily for 800 dollars, probably probably five or six hundred dollars buy a hamilton or buy one of these micro brands you don't have to spend many thousands of dollars to get a watch that will last you a lifetime that's it's serviceable that no. you can be you can yeah. wear every day
1: Yeah, certainly you don't need to spend 20 30 grand to get a decent watch in my opinion uh, that, that being said I guess that's open to people's interpretation but you know it isn't open to people's interpretation when a review is conducted by the brand who's made it Sam or when <laughs> or the retailer who's selling it and then they're trying to do a, a review which is supposed to be an independent reflection on something with the intent of instituting change not trying to sell it to you
0: the gold standard here for somebody that does it right is definitely mark at long island watches i mean he's making educational content and also going over his watches so i I always understand that he's reviewing it or or not even reviewing it is he showcasing a watch that he's going to sell showcases it but um, you're definitely right there's some especially a brand the actual brand that's making the watch
1: legally it's an advert never labeled as an advert which is where the the problem lies as well uh, it's labeled instead as a review
0: which is really misleading for people who search it and this is a this is an interesting point you brought up in the video as well and something that i wonder whether is going to become more prevalent in the years to follow uh, this is what i always fear about you know especially with you hear about politicians that have said something on twitter 5 years ago and it comes back to haunt them i wonder whether when youtube is looked at as a legitimate by the mainstream media as a legitimate media source which i still think it's 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 getting there that when the ftc and you know the uk and these worldwide authorities start looking at these advertising regulations and looking back at just i mean videos in general but youtube videos where they are, there is le- some serious legal questions, isn't there, about not disclosing what? Not just, I mean, we're talking more about the moral side of it, and you should disclose it morally too, so that you make your opinion clear about whether you got the watch. But there's some serious legal issues, isn't there? In the video
1: that I recently released, yeah, I showcased evidence of it, um, which, funnily enough, you were also in the email train of as well, weren't you, Sam? So you know who I'm talking about because we all saw it. Yeah. Uh, yeah, YouTubers just openly essentially asking for, for cash. In that situation, I think he worded it as if he, he wanted either 250 cash or uh, or the watch for the review, which I think uh, personally, uh, from a reviewer's perspective, I think there is certainly a difference, which I wanna talk about actually. Uh, I think there's a difference between straight up 250 cash and a product that may be retailing to the customer at about 200, 250 um but Yeah, the fact that he even asked for it and then went on to publish that video with no disclosure on either front. So whichever they agreed to, um I think you know that that's a just stonewall example of someone just doing it, something illegal on YouTube. um uh, You know that should be leading to channel bans, in my opinion, that sort of thing. Yeah, uh, because if you know if they're cheating to get ahead, because he could use that money to reinvest into the YouTube channel and and pay for ads or something to boost his channel up even more or whatever. Um, you know, a bit like a weird pyramid scheme or something, uh, trying to get himself to the top. It's it's not fair on the rest of us who are doing it legitimately. So on the topic first up of the uh, product versus cash payment, Sam, what's your thoughts from a reviewer's perspective here? Because I've got some like pretty solid thoughts because it's it's quite a delicate topic actually, isn't it? I think it's, there's, there's certainly like
0: a... I totally agree with you. I think that there's a... I think there's a difference there's a difference between sending a watch in for review so this and and oftentimes oftentimes I'll get sent watches in for review where they'll let you keep the watch but oftentimes you, Christopher Ward have never sent me a watch that I got to keep. That will never affect me reviewing them or not, because I think it's a great value for money brand. There's, there's many others. Real quickly, mentally, I think about it as a watch being sent as a review copy. So it's being sent for your review purposes. It helps market the brand, but also you're being sent it as a non, no obligation they, a lot of these companies, it's no obligation. They're sending you a watch and you review it. They're not asking you for any specific points, or or not, there's no vested in. There there is a vested interest that they hope you like the watch, but you're not tied to anything. Whereas a cash payment is a sponsorship. It's paid advertising content for that company. Is how I think of it.
1: Absolutely, because I've seen a number of people saying, you know. Come on, man, You're being dramatic in your video. There's no difference between someone being sent a watch that's worth 250 quid and 250 in cold hard cash. Yeah, there's not only that point I think, but I think it's different in a number of other ways. Like you've got the fact that reviewers wouldn't be able to do this. Sam would the Individuals should be fine for big corporations doing watch reviews, but you know, for individuals on a personal level, um, it would be impossible for them to go out and buy all of the watches and do that and, re- and review it'd be the ideal situation don't get me wrong and hopefully one day my channel is able to do that where we've got enough expendable income to be able to just buy all of these said watches but it would be the most expensive career ever and everyone would be making a loss and as such the the quality of the youtube reviews would absolutely nosedive i would no way be able to spend the time i spent on that re- uh, video the other day if i wasn't able to get sent these product samples Free of charge, without me having to to buy them at full retail price, because that's not very fair. Um, but aside from that, I think you've also got to think about it. As in, but let's get inside the mind of a of of a YouTuber for a second. So you've got two hundred and fifty Let's say two hundred and fifty dollars. Let's say paid from the brand. So the brand's expenditure is two hundred and fifty dollars. Now a two hundred and fifty dollar watch. Do you think to send that to a reviewer is going to cost the brand 250 pounds? No, it's not, is it? The brand might be making that product for 50 pounds. Let's say, let's say, I think that's quite a fair estimate, isn't it? Sam, when you consider all the other costs, maybe 75 pounds to make for a 255 pound watch at the upper end. So straight up, it's kind of the mental process for me. I don't owe the brand a 250 pound review or whatever, you know, at most, it's probably something like 70 quids worth of product. And sure, you might be able to resell that product after and get some of the money back, but that not only takes loads more time and effort to do, and it's a nightmare to deal with people on Blooming, eBay who will try and re- return everything because they regret buying something. Um, you know, that's a whole other part of the job. Essentially, it becomes the selling stuff because it's you know takes so much time up. But also, you know, you've got to think how much is said review- reviewer sort of feeling like they're owing the brand to an extent, and and it's a fraction of the retail price of the thing because I don't care, I don't care. Maybe some other YouTubers do and I think to an extent, viewers should certainly be informed definitely of um, whether they've been sent a product for free because there is still a potential that a free product could influence their decision a little bit or their judgment a little bit, it could do, but it's not nearly to the same extent as solid 250 quid cash. Like to me, that's just an advert and that is guaranteed money straight away not having to do any other work for it um and it, you're also you know in debt to the brand 250 dollars. kind of
0: we have sponsors on the the show and are they clearly out they'll be clearly uh, introduced as and said it's a sponsor this yeah. is a sponsor so that is usually paid content but i have never been given money for a watch review
1: which is why it's important to just say stuff in the video so isn't it because that's one of the the other dodgy stuff i put in the video was these YouTubers just not disclosing stuff, Sam, not disclosing affiliate links for starters, yep. which is, why not? I, I, that should get them banned anyway from like Amazon Associates because it's a bannable offense to not disclose. Um, so trick in, for those of you who don't know who are listening, an affiliate link is like, you can put a custom link in the video description that links viewers to a said product and you get like a small percentage of the value of the product. Normally it's like, depends on the brand, normally between about two and 7% usually somewhere about 5%. Um, So you get a small cut of the sale and it doesn't affect the price for you, the viewer who's clicked on it. Um, And it's a good way of YouTubers able to make money without shilling stuff or selling out basically. They don't have to sell out uh, to try and get people to pay them behind the scenes or whatever. Uh, But yeah, lots of YouTubers aren't disclosing that their affiliate links in the description, um, which tricks viewers into thinking they're normal product links. And then you've also got the fact that other YouTubers are taking these crafty little affiliate schemes from certain brands, which I've covered before, where they're actually offered way higher than the market rate affiliate. They've got like secret backend deals or whatever, where they're being paid 25%, 30% plus potential extra cash payments if they meet a certain threshold of sales, which is, you know, not fair, is it? Because, you know, 4% cut is a lot different than a 30% cut of of the value of a product. So it's all about being transparent. And for those YouTubers who are listening, if you're already transparent, that's great. You don't have to worry about anything, you know?
0: Yeah, I agree, yeah. Um, I've only got, I do the Amazon affiliates and it's it's mentioned in the description. I also have the other affiliates. I have one with Phoebus, which is, again, I'll mention that in the video. There's an affiliate link and uh, so I, I, I'm as clear as possible. I, I want to speak about, before we finish up here, and this might, uh, this is certainly going to be controversial from my part. So I'll say that this is my question. So uh, if there's any comments, I know there was on your video, there was certain channels that were shown. Mine was one of them in that email chain. Um, but I didn't think that you were specifically calling out people in that email chain. But I know a couple of those channels are, the watches that they review, and, and I think this is a, a problem in the watch review community. is. Reviewing watches and calling them homage watches because, just on its plain and simple description, homage is means honor, and it's a term that is way overused. It's way overused for what are essentially copies. A Pagani designed watch, in my view, is not a homage of Omega. It's not honoring Omega. It is making an almost exact copy and putting their name on, whether it be a a Rolex design or... And and all they're doing is they're skirting around the fact that design patents are very hard to practice. But this epidemic of, of watch review channels who are reviewing these as if they are as good as the watch that's being reviewed. Oh, this is a, uh, this style watch, alternative homage. They're not yeah, you homage can, watches. You can
1: just get a Rolex for like 40 quid or something. Like That's almost how they're repeatedly being pitched. It's certainly a, a sensitive topic in a way, because I could see why uh, people like the idea of them. Because I've covered homage watches occasionally or, or these clone watches occasionally, because for some people, you know, they just want to watch it generally looks a bit like another watch and that's okay. But there certainly is, like you say, channels who are fully dedicated to homage watches, 99% of the content is that, um, which when you look at these watches, bit like you said, when you put them side by side with a fake watch, like a, there's, aside from the, the Little logo, there's no real difference, is there, to a fake watch? And what they've done is because I used to think to myself, Oh, well, they're not pretending to be a Rolex, but then I think to myself, Well, they basically are because they're cashing in on the Rolex design who Rolex designed exactly. They spent their time designing it, they spent the resources, they did all the hard work, and then these other ones have just stolen their hard work essentially. That That's and also, I the watch industry must be the only one where word homage is used to refer to exact copies of something yes. because let's say you had a a, a beautiful new uh ship or like a cruise liner, and they said oh, it's got a homage to the titanic on it or whatever that wouldn't be a one-for-one replica of the titanic with a different logo on would it no it, like it, a car is exactly the same with cars like i can't think of a single other product sam where where what is essentially a direct copy is just Call is allowed to be forgiven as a homage and isn't referred to as a direct copy. Like that, I've I've started to change my opinion on this subject, but also the way I refer to them in videos now. Yeah. Now if there's one that's clearly just a complete copy and paste job, I'll just say in the video, I'll make it clear the design's been copy and pasted from a Rolex or something. Like because that brand shouldn't be rewarded but not putting the time and effort in to come up with an original design themselves. Yeah, 100%. Because that's essentially what's happened. I totally so agree. So I give in my you. videos now like credit to those who've just spent some time just designing a unique looking watch. It's, it's not difficult to come up with a unique design, is it, really?
0: I, I was trying to think of an analogy this morning, and this might be a bit of a disjointed one. And then I'll talk about what I really think is a homage watch. But I was thinking of this analogy of if you were a massive... Rolling Stones fan, for example, and you loved their music, you followed them, and then they they had a concert, and the concert was very expensive, so you end up going down the pub, hearing somebody singer rolling stones on karaoke. Track on karaoke it's awful and then this is both of these are filmed for youtube and then a YouTuber's is trying to convince you that this drunk guy screaming rolling stones lyric down the mic in the local pub is as good as watching the rolling stones in real life and you're like he's not a homage to the rolling stones and i think this is a real ethical dilemma for watched youtubers because that that content gets a lot of views, ton of views for doing it. So you, they're reviewing these watches and making them sound like they are as good as those or watches. Or 99% of the way, which is not true. But there's no, the history and the romance, none of the Rolling Stones, the years that they spent touring and writing these songs and the heart, the songs that came from their heart. It's the same with these watch companies. You can't fake that. You know it's not 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 the real thing then it's
1: not the same experience No, and also you can't resell it for as much can you it doesn't retain its value in any in any way like lots of these other brands because no one cares about them outside of the watch youtube space and i also find some that they just they just feel a bit soulless like you can buy them in and i was like this at the start of my kind of like watchy youtube journey i I was all into these watches that look like expensive watches and that because i thought oh well you can get a rolex design for a fraction of the price that's great But what I found is it's almost like a gimmick because you get them in and they're kind of like soulless. They don't have their own personality because it's just been stolen. It's like just an empty box. You kind of get it and and it just feels dead on your wrist. Or at least that's my personal experience with them. I much prefer a watch which has got its own flair and personality. It's like a a piece of art in itself and you can talk about it. And, And I've mentioned this to you before actually in the past. I think the whole idea of watches now outside of being used as a flex tool in some cases, like with the extreme high-end stuff. But, in general, I think watches, because they're completely obsolete now when it comes to their time-telling capacity, I think they're actually just like a vessel to allow men to socialise with each other, to, to to talk to each other, and have that important part of like human socialisation. Uh, it's like a cool little gadget. And the thing is, when you've got something that's clearly just a, a, a rip-off of something else,
0: There's nothing to talk about. Let me show you one that I think is a homage and I'll I'll explain why I think it is a homage. So yeah, go for it. Christopher Ward make this C65 Super Compressor. This is a homage to Super Compressor watches. And why it's a homage is because they pay, a paying honor to vintage compressor watches. This isn't a copy of any specific Super Compressor watch. They, They took a series of super compressors that are no longer made, reverse engineered the cases, they went into the histories of the watches, they machined uh, components that hadn't been made for for years, they really researched what made a super compressor watch, and then made their own watch that pays honor to vintage super compressor watches. What they didn't do was knock out a Rolex and stick Christopher Ward on it and call it a homage so so that, that that's where I'm making the distinction here is a, a homage watch uh Courgette or a Pagani are not paying any honor to the watches that they're copying they're no. doing it to make they're a trying quick- to cash in yeah
1: yeah they're, d- they're just doing it to cash in they're not doing it to actually pay honor on, a, on it like yeah that's exactly in my opinion that's that's the truth Sam in my opinion.
0: That has been a really interesting conversation. Guys, let us know in the comments section down below. We're not expecting you to agree with us.
1: Sorry, Homage Watch community. Sorry. (laughs) We disagree. We
0: don't hate you, but we disagree. Absolutely. So, Ben, thanks for joining me. Cheers, Sam. It's been a pleasure. Thanks for having me. I'll leave a link to Ben's video down below, and we'll see you next time on Casual Watch Talk. Thanks, guys. Bye.